Hello, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Federalist Files. I appreciate everybody uh, tuning in today. I have a lot to talk about. I have, first off, I want to talk about this Israel-Palestine-Hamas-Gaza-Strip-ISIS uh, thing going on. It's funny, it's Saturday morning, I wake up. I see none of this news last night at all. I, I pull up Twitter, and it is the first thing. It is everywhere. It's all over the place, and it's mostly um, Hamas. Seeing them pulling women around by their hair, throwing them in cars, bringing dead Israeli soldiers back um, to the Gaza Strip. It's pretty crazy. Uh weird i'm not like as pro-israel as i used to be because then i see other videos on the other side of <clears throat> israelis doing similar things they're not bringing people back and then you know yelling ah Allah akbar and stuff like that ahu akbar so it's not the same on that level like magnitude wise i would say but it definitely is a give and take back and forth um I just do find it weird because you always, I always thought that Israel had military superiority over uh, Gaza. And I know that Gaza is being funded and mostly given weaponry via Iran. I know that, right? So it is just kind of like a weird surprise that uh, they've been infiltrated this way. I, th I think I saw the newsline 40 people dead 40 israelis dead at this point they've taken like 12 of their tanks from military base i don't understand how the military base was not locked down there's just a lot of questions is, is kind of my point and then it's also i'm gonna pull up twitter and it's so one-sided and it's and it's gonna be one-sided fox news is one-sided i don't know about cnn and all those others i know a lot of the super far left wing democrats really like palestine and they hate israel because israel took their land or jews took their land or gifted their land after World War II. But when it comes to these land battles, I mean, it's the same thing that we do with the Native Americans in America. We claim that we took their land, Americans took their land from them, and it's kind of ridiculous. If you can't defend your borders, if you can't defend the land that you're on, and you get wrecked, that's kind of on you. I mean, if we want to be completely impartial here without trying to take sides all the time... If you cannot protect your borders, and, and right now in Europe there is an invasion, and in America there is an invasion of immigrants. In America it's much more um, South American immigrants that are coming here, and it's not just Mexicans, it's like all South America is coming here that don't have good economies because of communism and socialism, which is hilarious because now we're implementing it like here as time goes on, and I'll get to that later. Um, they have the same problem right now going on in Europe, but it's mostly... Uh, Muslim immigrants coming from Arab countries. And like I said, this is all, this has nothing to do with really authoritarian governments. Um, it's not asylum seekers, it's just people that are coming looking for economic opportunity and free shit. <laughs> I mean, it's it's more free shit, I think, than anything, to be honest with you. Uh, people, people in America, we've become so accustomed and to the immigrants that come here from the south, from the southern border, because they work in all of our kitchens and they do these labor jobs that "quote unquote" Americans wouldn't do. I don't necessarily think that's true. I think Americans would do those jobs, but at the current pay scale, they're not going to do the job. When you're getting paid minimum wage or below minimum wage to do a job, um, then you're not going to do the job. That's why that's why you have illegal immigrants coming in. They're undercutting the job, essentially. The job maybe would pay, let's say, $15 an hour, but the illegal immigrant population is making the job worth, you know, $10 an hour and not on the books $10 an hour, which is, like, actually what 15 bucks an hour is. For the employer, it works out. They don't have to pay payroll taxes. And um, for the employee, in this case, the illegal alien, it works out well for them, too. So, I mean, it's kind of, it's a win-win for them. You get fucked overall. I, I generally don't even believe in a minimum wage, but in a country where you have open borders, essentially, like the United States, you kind of have to have a minimum wage. I mean, in, in a perfect society, no minimum wage with very tight, secure borders. So the interests are in that of the Americans' hands, people that are American citizens 
are the ones that get the benefits in a uh, closed border society. You keep the jobs in the United States, you pay people at, at this point, then you do not really require a minimum wage. Um, because there is only so much labor out there and you don't have to do any of that to, um, to control these, these companies. And then, you know, hit them with some sort of tax or you hit them with some sort of imposition when they decide to leave the United States and outsource their work somewhere else. You know, that, that, and it's very interesting economics. There's like many different classes of thought. Uh, the libertarians pretty much believe in open borders completely along with no minimum wage, which really, really benefits the people that are running businesses, um, more than anyone else, uh, benefits government too, because the government has, doesn't have to control the border. They can kind of do whatever they want and then just blame the business people, which is kind of what they, it's funny. Cause it's like what they're doing now is just, they're blaming the business people, and it's, it's like the government's in bed with the big business. Everybody knows this, right? And that's kind of what the communists talk about. I read the Communist Manifesto um, last week, this last week, because I had somebody in my work that says they're communists. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. You know, like, I'm not, I'm not a commie, obviously, um, as you know from the podcast. But I'll read about, I'll read this, and I'll try to understand perspectives. So, I mean, I'll, I'll get to that later. <laughs> But yes, in, in terms of this Israel-Gaza Strip conflict, I honestly don't know what to tell you folks. All I know is I don't think that the media reports it fairly on both sides. Um, I don't think they're telling us the full story. It's very weird. Ukraine-Russia, you see all, you see, barely see any footage. You saw footage maybe like the first week. And uh, the last 18 months, I've seen nothing, right? Whereas I turn on Twitter this morning and you see a bunch of things going on with Israel and uh, Gaza, which to me means that there must be some sort of motive to push a narrative. And I just don't exactly know what that narrative is, but it's just not, it's so inconsistent that it doesn't really make much sense. It's kind of the point that I'm trying to make. And that's, I guess, all I really have to say about that. Um, so we got this, we got, what's his name? Jamal Bowman pulling the fire alarm during the vote and and now you kind of find out that this was this was something that was premeditated <laughs> like no one wants to say it but like it was premeditated because they were looking for money for ukraine it's amazing we kept the government open we decided to come through with a spending bill literally because it was important that we send money to ukraine that just shows where the priorities are in america on both sides because obviously it required republicans as well to vote on a budget right it wasn't it wasn't just it wasn't just democrats and that might be the reason why uh kevin mccarthy is gone because some of the right wing uh republicans that believe the war the war in ukraine is horseshit and believe that the money that we're sending there is we're sending to a corrupt government um which is true i mean i mean at this point you can say whatever you want whichever side you want to take doesn't at this point it really, honestly it doesn't even matter the united states is sending american taxpayer money to a corrupt country, and we have no idea where the money is going. That is a factual statement. Nobody can, they can, people can cry harder about it. I mean, they can try to address that, and they can try to um, rebut that, but it's just not true. It's a corrupt government. It was a corrupt government before the war, um, and left-wing outlets were talking about it. New York Times was talking about it, and now... It is not a corrupt nation suddenly, and suddenly they're very good, and they're very nice, and we need to send them billions and billions of dollars. I think we the, the count at this point, I want to say we've sent them like $100 billion, which is like one-sixth or one-seventh of our defense bill every year. I mean, we're sending them like a lot of money. Like, it's, it's, it's a large sum of money, and we don't really know where the money's going, and it seems like every few months the money already runs out, and then you ask yourself... This is crazy. How did Ukraine survive before the United States was sending them? Because you can't tell me their their government budget was even close to that much for their defense. For a hundred billion, their their government, their entire government budget, every year was probably what we're sending them. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case. I want to say their population was forty three million before the war, something like that. But. I don't know that that whole thing is ridiculous. So yeah, we know that that happened. Uh, he's lying clearly. Jamal Bowman's lying. 
just in a surprise guy doesn't know and and if he isn't lying let's say it's an accident and he pulled the fire alarm we should immediately get rid of him you're that stupid you can't tell what a fire alarm why do we want you in the legislature you can't tell what a fire alarm is like you didn't know that walking through a door would cause a fire alarm and make everyone evacuate a federal building like you're that stupid this whole process too by the way of having to vote on that budget took about two million dollars that's how much taxpayers paid on that time <laughs> they paid them two million they paid the legislatures uh legislators in that time period two million dollars so that's how much of a joke this system our system is it's just like a complete clown show uh, matt gates versus kevin mccarthy so matt gates obviously was able to initiate run the initiative of getting rid of kevin mccarthy as a house speaker um the democrats at first the democrats were super in favor they voted him out as well but I think they voted him out with the intention that Kevin McCarthy would not back down because literally a day before he got voted out, he said, I will not back down and he would run again, right? So if he ran again, the Democrats were like, okay, we could split the Republican vote and then we can get our person in as the House Speaker, which is hilarious. Imagine a, a Republican majority with a Democrat House Speaker. I mean, it was a, for them, they really, they didn't have much to lose in this case, because the next person that can come in, it's like the devil you know versus the devil you don't. The next person that can come in as a Republican House Speaker can be a giant pussy, and they could be more of a leftist than Kevin McCarthy was, which he, I would say he was a swamp rat, uh, establishment moderate type, you know, like a, he was like a rhino type, right? Um, so for the Democrats, in terms of a tactical move, it was not a bad idea. I think it kind of may have backfired because part of that plan for them backfired because Kevin McCarthy, when he got voted out the next day, he's like, I'm not rerunning and I'm probably going to be out of the House of Representatives. Now I think he's talking about resigning before his uh, his term even ends. So I don't know what's going on. They must re He must really feel like he got uh, betrayed. Some, some people probably told him they weren't going to vote him out and then they voted him out. Uh, I think Jim, J Jim Jordan, the guy from Ohio, I think he's going to be the next one. Hopefully, uh, he's pretty solid. He's pretty right wing. He's pretty conservative. I'd say if I had to pick between him and McCarthy, I would pick him obviously. Uh, so this one may have backfired for the Democrats, but I kind of respect the tactical move. They always seem to be moving. The Democrats do seem to be moving cogently, um, cohesively. That's the right word. They're always much more of a cohesive unit than, uh, than the Republicans are. The Republicans are always fighting each other. They always look like idiots, and, and then at some point you kind of ask yourself, is this, like, controlled, like, like are the Republicans essentially controlled opposition? Like, some of these guys, like, they're just there, they put the R next to their name, but they're kind of just Democrats, and they're there to fight actual conservatives that are in the Republican Party. You kind of start to think that, which it could be true. <laughs> it would not surprise me at all. Uh, so, let's see. I'm trying to think of the way that I should start getting into this other stuff that I have here. I did see the clip with, it's very weird. I found this very odd, right? So I saw the clip with Hillary Clinton, where she says that Trump voters essentially need to be deprogrammed. And the day before that, Dan Bongino was talking about how the FBI is starting to claim they're going to be coming after right wingers or Trump fans. And it just is I hate to use this because everyone always says the Banana Republic gig. They always do that shtick, you know? And it is true, though. I mean, there is, like, a Banana Republic right now in the United States. It's getting very, very uh, weird, the way in which they're pursuing Trump, uh, pursuing Trump voters, putting all of them in prison. They are essentially trying to set up a narrative um, that everyone's an extremist, obviously. Everyone that's right-wing is an extremist. doesn't even have to be a Trump voter. If you hold views, and they, they change the standard for what makes a group an extreme, or a person an extremist, if you hold views where you, against the, you are against the federal government, then you are an extremist, which, honestly, is a very high... I would even say some left-wingers, you can classify them as terrorists, or extremist organizations, or extremist group extremist people i think that's what that was the term they use terrorist as the actual term well the federal government is now defining people that believe that oppose the federal government which is normally um if you oppose the federal government that is a characteristic of federalism 
It is a characteristic of a republic itself, um, opposing the government. You should not be trustworthy of the government. Historically, that is a uh, that is a component of being a republic. So it's not unusual, by the way. Everyone everyone thinks it's like an unusual idea that you should love the government, uh, no matter what. And opposing the government, actually, it is a good safeguard against government encroachment. Okay, so. Uh, the claim that this is some sort of an extreme view to hold or this is a terrorist view or a terrorist person is just asinine. It's stupid. <laughs> all, of it's, all of it's dumb. Uh, so, yeah, Hillary thinks that Trump voters need to be deprogrammed. The FBI is going to start going after Trump voters. I see in the future things getting very weird. We have an election coming up in about a year from now. Right. I can only imagine what is going to be pulled off in the next 12 months, because right now we're October 7th. I think it's like November 3rd, November 4th. It'll be the first Tuesday of the month in November is the election day, right? Uh, it will be insane in the next 12 months what we see, what we, what you see, what I see, what, every, what, what goes on in this nation will be intense, and it may be very turbulent, uh, as it was in the last general election. Um, so just prepare, strap in, uh, in terms of stocks, I don't know what to tell you what to do, not a financial advice. I think that there's going to be something that's pulled off in order to implement full on, uh, mail-in voting. I think that the Twitter, the, not the Twitter, the Facebook, the Google, the YouTube algorithms are all going to be pushed against right-wingers. Obviously it's going to, they're going to try to push a, uh, an information war, as everything is an information war, uh, against right-wingers. And you just need to be prepared. Um, I don't know if I mentioned this last show. I may have. I did say the Krasenstein brothers. I was talking about them specifically and how they are bad actors. And they're probably paid. And turns out that they are paid. I may have gone over this last show. I can't remember. <laughs> turns out video comes out. And it's them talking about how they're paid to act a certain way on Twitter. They're trying to get more likes. They're trying to beat the algorithm. They're trying to get as many views as possible and get as many, um, what do they call them? I don't want to say insights. There's a certain word for them when they show up in the feed. I can't remember the word for it, though. But, yeah, they're trying to get as many people engaging as possible. And uh, so I turned out to be just like Erica Marsh. Uh, I was calling that one on Twitter itself. I was just tweeting it. I wasn't. I didn't have this show, but I would have talked about it. It turns out that these guys are paid actors. It's not really a surprise. That's what the DNC does. They have paid actors. The globalist scum. Um, it is weird because there is some intersecting or some... Um, what's the way to put it? There's some crossover with communists. When I read the Communist Manifesto, there's some crossover with things that are said by by Karl Marx, some of the things that are said and are predicted kind of become true as time goes on here in America. But it's weird, though, because the things that he's claiming are going to happen are things that communists do. So it's almost like he's pointing, he's looking at himself in the mirror, and he's being like, the communists <clears throat> are going to do what literally commies now want to do. But he's calling those communists the Borg, Borgese or something like that. Like the rich class. Rich class people. It's a class warfare versus the rich and the working classes is his point that he's making. And maybe at that time it was more relevant. Um, but yeah, I'll get, I'll get to that later because I want to just talk about. So this guy, Dr., uh, this guy, Dr. Robert Epstein, or Epstein, I think is what he calls himself. Because Epstein is associated with the one that killed himself, that quote unquote killed himself. Uh Dr. Robert Epstein, he went on Stephen Crowder's podcast. You're asking, who is Robert Epstein? He is a liberal um, that has been analyzing Google search results for the last few years. He has like 11,000 agents, meaning what they do is they install this like app on their phone or this, this they call it an SDK, a software development kit. Uh, you'll download it on your phone. It will take telemetry data based on your Google search results and it will report it back to him. He has some sort of like analytics he's able to run it through. 
So what he's trying, he's able to run through. Oh, the word I was looking for before was impressions. They're looking for more impressions on their um, on their tweets, which means like how many people look at it and view it and like it and do this and that. So then he he runs it through his engine, his his system, his analytics, and he's able to find that Google essentially is uh, pushing left wing ideology, pushing left wing crap on people. So yeah, they find that Google's search results are coming up with left-wing talking points, which I've actually gone through this before, and I believe I've even come up with clips and videos, and I think it was Dr. Robert Epstein, the same one that has been looking into this for years. He's been looking into this for like four years, and he said that the impact that Google has on elections is much bigger than anything else, meaning like the mail-in ballots anything he says you you don't even need to worry about that kind of shit because google itself is having a six million vote difference on impact on elections so trump in the last election he had 76 million biden had 81 million and he and he also said in state elections as well they're trying to impact those um he said he sent a letter to Ted Cruz with the information about how they're impacting elections. Ted Cruz sent a cease and desist, I think, uh, to Google. And then Google, did they dropped their, their influence on the Georgia runoff election. If you don't remember the two Senate seats, it dropped it completely to 0%. So meaning he's able to sit there and see analytics-wise, you know, Google's impacting 15% of voters or 20% of voters. Like, when he runs it through and then he has all this polling data and he's able to see that pretty much, you know, Google, every single search result, they have their hand in it, right? Um, they're not really a search engine. They're a news aggregator at this point, And they should kind of be treated as such, but they're not. They're treated, they're more of a publisher than they are a, um, a forum, um, a platform, right? That's a better way to put it. They're much more of a publisher. They're publishing the information. There is no search results that are coming up. It's it's really there. They mess with the algorithm to make search results unfairly come out and, and be super left wing, which I always knew this. I mean, I would all of us know this, right? But we could never put numbers on it and, and the number on the impact uh, that it would have on elections. So now we know you know, Russia, everyone's always talking about Russia, China, meddling in elections, all this shit. American company Google meddles in more elections than any other country. If we want to sit here and we want to talk about who is meddling, who is impacting elections, Google search and search quote unquote engine, also known as news aggregator, uh, is the one that is fully meddling in elections. And I really don't know the answer. I guess you'd have to go through section 230. Uh, that's part of it, maybe. Um, the other part would have to be to put hard sanctions on Google so they do not impact elections the way that they're trying to. You know, this is this is an old game. Democrats have always tried to rig elections. Everybody knows this. It's been going on for a very long time. They never had the impact worldwide that they do now because they have these companies that literally everyone's using with the exception of like really 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 old people and a lot of these really old people aren't voting anymore for example my grandma my grandma used to work the polls um she hasn't voted in the last few elections i know that much a lot of these people don't want to get out of their house they don't want to vote whatever whatever it's all up to them um but a lot of them aren't voting anymore so pretty much we're seeing just like mass propaganda machine coming from google and uh they're not regulated in any way shape or form and I think that if we're going to regulate the way in which they regulated the last election on social media platforms where you couldn't post things political and then even put like 10 bucks into them to get more impressions, to get more people to for it to show up on their page, more advertisements. The fact that you couldn't do that. I had a podcast, right? I had a podcast. That's that's what I was doing. I was trying to like actually make a living off this, trying to make money off of it, right? Um, the fact that you couldn't do that. But then Google can just do whatever the fuck they want. They're free to do whatever. I, I find that to be ridiculous. And obviously the CIA was reaching out to Facebook, reaching out to Twitter, telling them what they could keep up, what they had to put disclaimers under for posts. So yeah, we, we know that the election was, was 
whether it was even rigged by the, <laughs> there's so many things. There's three different things, at least, that I could think off the top of my head. There's the mail-in ballot voting, ballot harvesting, all that bullshit. All that crap that Democrats have been trying to implement for years. So it's a super unfair vote, and it's like people are cheating, essentially, right? There's that aspect. Um, there's, like, these platforms that are being told by the FBI and the CIA to act on the behalf of the FBI uh, and the CIA. And then there are the unconstitutional changes to voting rules in states like Georgia and Pennsylvania where they weren't allowed to have mail-in ballots, but they still had mail-in ballots via their state constitution. So these are things like the, the black and white stuff of the constitution is pretty standard in the state constitutions. Like that is something that should have never happened. Everybody knows this, right? But nobody wants to talk about it. That actually is a really big issue. And that should have been more raised and gone after by the Trump team than anything else. Going after some of these Dominion voting machines, you need hard, tangible evidence. You need black and white stuff if you want to make a case, right? I think that they did not do a great job in that case. They got dismissed by many courts. They also were not good with really releasing uh, the information or the data that they're, that they're claiming is going to be in that was in their like court hearings or their challenges or their appeals. Like no one really saw that information. I didn't at least. And I don't know if it's because algorithms didn't allow it to come up and they were trying to put it out and it wasn't seen by anybody. And he was at that point, I don't think he was canceled on Twitter yet. So he could have been posting it, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. Um, yeah, he wasn't canceled on Twitter because he was canceled on Twitter during that other vote in like around January 6th. So yeah, I don't know. I just think that they did not... They kind of dropped the ball on some of that stuff, in my opinion, personally. Um, I mean, I don't think it would have made a difference. I think that the left wing is so enraged and so angry, and the establishment wants Trump in prison so badly so he can never run again. They want him dead, really. And once they get him in prison, he may die. <laughs> like, at this point, I would not be surprised if there was an assassination, because it's pretty, it's pretty clear and obvious that he did something that the establishment did not like and they want to keep everybody in the matrix still. And they do have a lot of people in the matrix. You know, I talk to coworkers. I talk to people that have no idea what's really going on. They think that Russia actually meddles in elections in America. And they have a real impact on American elections and American politics, which is hilarious. You know, they've been totally psyoped into this idea that that Russia has this giant uh, GDP. And they're like this huge superpower country. It's very odd. But that is that is the case. Um, so I guess maybe I'll go, oh, here's the other, the other big story is I'm going to end up going into, well, maybe I'll just talk about this too. So in America, currently there is like a social credit, uh, program. Nobody really wants to admit it. And this is like what we talk about the commies in China having, how they have a social credit score. And if you go with your card, because they, they're not really using cash, if you go and you buy this and you buy that, there's such a spy state going on over in communist uh, China, that if you do things that the regime does not like you doing, you get a social credit score, and your social credit score goes to 100, let's say, and in order to buy food at a grocery store, you need your social credit score to be at 200, so then you cannot live like your normal life like everybody else is living, because you're doing things that are against the communist regime, right? So currently in America, we have a soft version of this um, but we don't really talk about it much. And I, I kind of came to this realization. I was driving home. I don't remember from where and I was thinking this and I was thinking, okay, so the current system that we have implemented right now is when you apply to jobs, right? You get a benefit, uh, if you are a tranny, if you're fucking, you know, uh, a lesbo, if you are a minority, right? You get, you get some sort of benefit. You get, promulgated or promoted in the algorithm because they're looking to get more minorities in the company and better quote-unquote representation at the company whereas you know <clears throat> if you really think about the numbers right so black population in america is 13 percent, i believe of the population what you would want to do is you would want to match your workforce if you're looking for what they call representation which i don't agree with this this whole representation idea i think it should be, all be, be based on merit and how effectively somebody can do a job just like any other job just like how politics should be everything should be run by how efficient are you it shouldn't be nepotism it shouldn't be based on your ethnicity your sexual orientation right or your gender quote unquote gender gender it's like yeah you mean your sex <laughs> that's what gender is made by some creepy dude named John Money, I think his name was. 
some creepy guy that like messed around with kids and he created gender theory. So it's, it's literally made by like a pedophile, a pedophile, creepy fucking molester made gender theory and people actually follow it and they teach it in college. It's great. And elementary school. Uh, where was I? So yeah, if you have 14% of the population is black, when you go to hire and you want representation, you would say, okay, I want 14% of the people employed here to be black, which is kind of stupid and ridiculous for a couple of reasons. There are certain subsections in the United States or certain places in the United States. If you are hiring people, for example, in a place called Hamilton, New Jersey, people don't even know what that is. Hamilton, New Jersey is actually the most Italian out of any town or any, any city um, in all of the United States. It's the most Italian town in the United States. 52% of the population is Italian. If you want 14% black for your hiring practices, when there aren't black people living there, then where do you have to go to get these black people to work for you in Hamilton, New Jersey? And that's why this is stupid. That's one of the reasons it's stupid. The other reason is obviously the, um, the merit-based part of it, uh, and, and generally now you see in these diversity and inclusion and these work culture positions, uh, they're doing as much as they can to hire more and more minorities that actually overrepresent in the workplace. Uh, and where I live, it's funny because where I live, it's all like about hating white people, right? In New Jersey, it's like the liberals, they like, it's all about hating like white Christians. And there's a reason for that. The reason is the country was founded by a bunch of white Christians, uh, the Constitution was based on a bunch of white Christian values. I don't want to call them white values, just call them Christian values. Uh, because actually, if you look at Christianity, it started in Africa, North Africa. It originated there. Um, but yes, everyone will claim that Christianity is some sort of like white supremacy problem. That is not the truth. That's not the case. It's very funny that it's like, it originated in white supremacy. It's like, dude, it came from North North Africa. What the fuck are you talking? It's like, it, if you look at where Jerusalem is, it is not in fucking Europe. That's like the other point. It's like, Jerusalem isn't in Europe. What are you guys talking about? Oh, man. It's fucking great. It's hilarious. Um, So, yeah, there's there's a reason that they, they hate white men. They hate Christian men. Uh, if they want to bring the entire country down, what they want to do is they want to kill the national identity of the country. And if the national identity is Christian values, then what you do is you make everyone uh, repudiate those Christian values and and vilify those Christian values. So that's the point of like the system, and that's that's the reason in which uh, the atheists have such a strong vigor against the against the Christians and the white Christians, of course. Because uh, the country was founded by, once again, white guys that are Christian. And, yeah, the whole point of all of that crap, I mean, I look at my company. My company, I work for a big one. Um, big, publicly traded. They have that stupid work culture thing, culture in the workplace. And they're trying to push that ideology on people, that left-wing communist ideology. Um, the tranny shit, they're pushing that. But if you go and you look, actually, who gives a fuck about those things, you see the posts, and we actually have a culture officer, like a like a really high-ranking person, right? Like VP, like SVP level, like high up there for just work culture. And you think, wow, man, that job must be complete fucking horseshit. Amazing. This guy's, this guy's pulling at least probably half a million a year doing a complete worthless horseshit communist regime fucking job completely useless and in, in, in all facets just a useless fucking job he puts out a um couple paragraphs and i look at it and i'm just like they're using a lot of verbiage they're, they're putting culture in place of communist rhetoric right so they're being like we need to ch we need to change the cold we need to do this with the culture that with the culture they're essentially saying we want to push our ideology on you in the workplace as well you are not free to have your own ideology in private. We want to uh, make our ideology for you everywhere. You have to fully encompass this ideology, in the, not only in the workplace, but also in your personal life. That's kind of the point in which, the way they word it, it's very obvious to me. Uh, but they also speak very broadly. They don't use specific and direct words when describing this work culture but it is apparent what's going on. And if you look at the people that like it, it's all like, in all honesty, it's all women or gays. Straight up. Gays, women, trannies. They're the only per people that are liking these posts. The only ones commenting under them. And, uh, oh yeah, another thing, they're all HR employees. Which is no, 
no shit. It's obvious that HR is like the bane of the existence of the corporate world. It's <laughs> it's fucking it's amazing. Uh, but yeah, you asked that. I had a conversation with a coworker, and I have no I have no issues with my co- this coworker. Um, they're fine, you know. I like them personally. I didn't know that they were communists until they told me. And to be honest with you, I don't necessarily know if they really are communists because if I if I was able to explain. Um, the words that are being said in the Communist Manifesto alone and explain what they mean and how some of the ideology surprisingly comes off as what uh, the left wing currently in today's day and age accuses the right wing of being, like nationalistic and stuff, they would probably give up the whole communist act. Uh, but maybe they are really communists, pure communists. It's, it's weird because, you know, you talk to people that say, I believe in communism but I'm also, I, I hate the government. So it's like, okay, so you don't believe in the traditional Marxist communism in the Communist Manifesto because he talks about taking over the entire government eventually. The the workers taking over the government and the workers making the rich people pay, right? And it talks about the state, the state, the state, right? So he's specifically saying, like, the government's going to be, you know, run by these workers. These workers are going to overthrow and they're going to run the government, which is fine, whatever. But if you are a libertarian uh, Marxist, which I've, which is what the saying was, uh, if you're a libertarian Marxist and you essentially don't believe in the government running things, you believe in having your own little communes all over the place. Because that's that's what that is. Actually, I have no problem with libertarian communists. They're fine because guess what? They're not impeding on my life because they're not running the government. They're just going on their own little compound or commune. They're quote unquote sovereign and doing their own little thing, trying to survive off the land. I have no problem with people that are doing that. I don't think anyone's actually really doing that. I think people that say they are libertarian Marxists, for the vast majority of them, they don't do any of that, which in this case, this coworker does not do any of that stuff, right? But they believe that they're a libertarian Marxist. And then when I asked them, why are you, first off, why are you working here? <laughs> why are you working at a corporate company? It makes no sense, right? And two, why is it that um, you're not, like, living on one of these communes, you know? And the response was, well, you know, those people are crazy. And I go, oh, okay. Doesn't really make much sense, but all right. Uh, then I don't really know how you believe what you believe. Like, I believe in a thing that isn't even here, is the point. Like, me personally, the things that I believe in, you can't even find it across the nation, Especially not an English English speaking one, one that I'd be able to go to and work and make money, you know. And that's that's really the case. But if you are a libertarian Marxist, right, like you don't care about corporate shit at all. You don't care about items of the rich that are trying to be sold to you that are that are being promoted by the rich people to you, right? These items you don't care about them because you're a libertarian communist and you follow the Communist Manifesto, and that is just a structure of Items and, and these these materialistic things are just something that rich people trick you into buying, right? So if this is the case, then you don't care about any of that shit. So why the fuck are you working a corporate job? There's no there's no meaning for it. You should just go leave and live on a commune. Is that's kind of the point that I came to. That was my conclusion. You know, I'm not gonna fight with people. I'm not fighting with people, I'm not giving them my hand, I'm not giving them what I do politically, how I feel about things, because I probably get in trouble. Um They're free to feel that way. I don't think it's a winning strategy. I also don't think it's legitimate. I think it's... I don't think that person actually really truly believes in it and is indignant about it is kind of the point. Whereas they're not righteous about it. Um, Whereas me, I will literally... The government comes to take guns, I'll go to to prison. Uh, That's just the... Unfortunately, that's just the way it has to go. It sucks. Um, but I think that time, maybe I'll see it in my lifetime. Maybe I won't. I'm not really sure yet. We'll see what happens. But yeah, I went through this communist manifesto. I'll start reading about some of the stuff. I wrote a bunch of different points, points down here. It's kind of like a self-defeating prophecy because Marx, Marx to begin with, and this is where I say lefties kind of get their definitions wrong. Like when you debate somebody, you should try to make sure that you guys agree on the definitions at least, right? Marx, Marx at one point says nine-tenths of workers don't own property, all right? So he already is coming in with this false premise that people at work and aren't rich don't own anything. And that is maybe at his time, which I personally don't think it was at his time, but he's claiming it to be. 
at his time, because he's also talking about the United States, he's talking about uh, Great Britain, he's talking about all of Europe, he's not just talking about where he was at the time, which was, I guess, Russia he was at the time? I don't even know, actually, to be honest. Maybe I should look that up. At the time in which he wrote the Communist Manifesto. Uh, but his big claim was that 90% of people that were workers essentially did not own property, which is just not, not true. Uh, I don't know where he's even coming up with, with those statistics. And the point is, is that he, oh wait, is he in Germany? Oh, German born. And he died in hilarious. He died in London. See, I thought, I always thought Marx was like, for whatever reason, maybe it's because of Russia. I always thought that he was like a Russian dude and living in Russia and all this other stuff. But it looks like he kind of was going all around Europe. I mean, essentially the whole case with him, with Marx, is that he kind of just seems like a angry loser that got wrecked in the private industry and he didn't want to work and he was lazy and he was mad that he didn't want to work and was lazy and um, because of that it was everyone else's fault. That's how it all comes off to me, to be honest with you. And that's just me, like, looking in, reading about it. Because the things he claims and just aren't true. <laughs> I mean, the nine-tenths of people don't own anything. In the United States, that's not true. People own shit here, right? Even in the UK, people own shit there. If you're trying to say nine out of ten, like, families don't own a fucking house, uh, it's a pretty it's pretty wild statement. Uh, so he's, he's operating under these false premises that people are getting fucked on mass. And that's just not true. It's like... He's getting fucked on mass, but he's trying to take his scenario, his anecdotal uh, situation, and extrapolate it upon everybody else. He's trying to apply it to everyone. He did warn, which was very interesting. He did warn of warn rather um, people of globalism, which was interesting. He he did claim that the rich people would try to take their ideology and push it on everybody else, which is an interesting way to put it. In the United States currently, I mean, some of this global shit is true. That's why some of these things are half-truths, right? They're true, but then when you go to actually look through why things are being done the way they are, it doesn't have anything to do with rich people, rather. I think it's more like a demonic, um, anti-morality thing. I think money is a means to an end for a lot of these people. But, I mean, I could be wrong. Money is just a way to establish this global goal. It's not really like if you're rich, you want more and more money. Because once you get so rich to a certain point, there's only so many things you can do with your money, right? I think that there is actually like a much bigger a bigger goal here. And it's not about money. It's more related to uh, taking everything over. So in this case, he claims globalism in uh, the Communist Manifesto. That the rich people will try to spread their ideology and their culture all over the world. Which the United States kind of does try to do. Uh, the man becomes part of the machine. They lose charm of the work. The working man is something also he claimed as well. And that's actually what's going on right now in culture. Like, for example, I just I just talked about in my workplace how they're trying to push like this weird tranny globalist um, PC bullshit narrative onto everybody that you work work with. And I don't. Once again, this is like. They claim it's something of, like, the rich man. I don't really necessarily think it's rich man ideology. I think it's left-wing communist rhetoric, and they're trying to push it on me. So it's weird, because he's pointing out a lot of things that commies do, and then claiming it's, like, something that rich people do. Rich people I know, though, aren't, like, trying to tell me to go, like, fuck with the commies and shit. So it's very weird. It doesn't really make much sense because of that. Um, labor of men. Oh, this is a good one. Oh, no, no. Another one he claims is that working man is not able to save money. They're able to own nothing, which, once again, this is a false premise because in the United States, and he's he's claiming this isn't a capitalist society. This is the way that things work. But in the United States, that's not the way things work. People own shit. They own land. Yeah, maybe they'll take out some credit to pay it off. Um, whether we want to talk about credit systems being predatory in a way or the government's top-down running running the credit system, that's a different story. The government essentially is, I mean, the government runs the banks. And they're the ones that give the loans out to buy the houses. So to make it as if the government are the rich people, it's not really the same. 
he makes it like the government plays with the rich people, but they aren't the rich people. Whereas in reality, what's currently going on in the United States is like the communists are in the government and they're playing the game like with the rich people. So it's kind of it's kind of weird. He kind of takes a lot of things that commies do and he attributes them to or he blames uh, rich people for them. In today's if, if you look at it in today's modern scope and you try to take it into uh, context in today's day and age. Another one he talks about is labor being superseded by women claiming men, which he's, he is, this is funny. So it's not superseded by women, but women are in the same workplace as men. Now he was claiming pretty much like women were our mothers and now they're going to have to eventually go into the workplace because the rich people need more people to make more money. But here's the thing. The reason that women are in the workplace has really not as much to do with big business as it has more to do with the government printing more of your money to send to other countries and uh, printing more of your money in a general sense. So inflation kicks in, you are now making less money and you need your wife to come to work to be able to afford everything is the point. Um, I think there's a mismanagement of funds and money. And I think that it is the government uh, working with big industry to enrich government officials through big industry. Right. But, that means that's the government's problem. That is a ineffective government. I think that a lot of the problems maybe that communists see are the same problems that some conservatives see, not all of them, but some of them for sure. But their answer to it is, oh, well, we just need the right people to work in government. And that's not really the answer. The answer is, is we need to strip the government and decentralize the power of the government into, uh, you know, states into towns, into municipalities, and people should be much more driven to community politics or local politics rather than the federal government running everything from the top down because then that's how you get truly corrupt systems where giant swaths of Americans are paying for military contracts and then kickbacks are going to people that run the government and approve the legislation and the spending. I think that's really... I think that... After having conversations with said coworker, um, I think we agree on a lot of things. I actually just think that their answer to the problem isn't a reasonable answer. It does not answer incentives. Uh, it does not take into account human incentive. So saying, oh, we're going to get rid of these corrupt individuals and put new people that aren't corrupt in there isn't the answer because the system itself is corrupting those individuals. So those new individuals that come in will be corrupted eventually as well. There's reasons that people work in the government forever. Um, I mean, even look at Bernie, Bernie Sanders. He has like two freaking houses. He wrote this book, that book. They have a, millions of dollars. I mean, he's not really a true commie, right? Because he's not giving the money back to everybody else. He's not working towards like this community goal. So it's kind of like a bullshit statement. But they are right about women getting into the workplace. Um, people will fight the non-industrial rich. So the rich will keep people fighting each other and and when he means rich he means like people that run the companies like big rich corporation dudes will make regular workers fight other rich people that aren't big business owner rich people just so the heat stays off of them um it's an interesting way to put it i don't really know how that applies here i think that there is definitely like a swath of the country that hates anyone that has money or is successful kind of like Karl marx and I don't necessarily know if that's because the rich business owners want you to hate them. The rich business owners, moreover, are pushing the narrative of the government. They're working hand in hand together to push a narrative to hate white Christian dudes. And if those white Christian dudes are the guys that are the non-business owner rich dudes, then yeah, sure. If that's what we want to want to claim. Um, the industrial rich educates the poor. This is an interesting thing here. So saying that people that run businesses are the ones that are coming out with the education programs, coming out with what is considered a society. They're the ones that are putting out essentially all of the social norms and the culture. Uh, rich business owners, rich corporations are the ones that are influencing cultural dynamics and the education system. And nowadays, when you look at it, it's pretty much just Marxists that are running the government that are... <laughs> It's funny because all the things that he's claiming these corporations are doing are things that communists are currently doing. It is uh, cultural or moral relativism and cultural rot 
moving away from being American culturally and American valued. So communism and even this idea of a direct democracy could work, right? In very, very, very small swaths of people. It actually works in your household. For example, you have kids, you pay for your kids everything, but they don't put any fucking work in really until they're old enough to put work in and they don't really even pay you back if you think about it, right? That is a communist system in your family. It works there because you actually care about your kids, right? You have love for your children uh, unconditionally and you believe in it. Now, take that and try to extrapolate it to your entire community. Imagine having to pay for everybody in your community. There are certain things that you do. Um, for example, property taxes will try to pay. And if you have a sales tax in your in your uh, town as well, some southern states have that. We don't have that here in New Jersey. Uh, that will also help pay for things, right, for people in your community. And then imagine now taking that and extrapolating it all the way federally that you're paying for literally everybody. No one wants to do that. That's that's kind of the point. So it works in a very, very small section where you're not influencing a bunch of people, right? It could work. It works in a family. Not all the time. It's, it doesn't even work all the time in a family, you know? Uh, but it doesn't work once it's extrapolated further than that, it can't be expanded. It's not scalable is the point. And this is what the founders talked about. That's why they wanted a republic rather than a direct democracy or a communist regime or feudalism or any of this other shit because they knew that none of it could be expanded because it failed in the past. None of it can be scaled, uh, whereas a republic can be scaled. For that reason, because you're supposed to decentralize all the governments and everyone's supposed to actually care about local politics. I mean, that's not what currently goes on, but that's how it's supposed to work. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, the rich educate the people. Uh, I mean, like I said, the communists educate the people here. Communists, do they work with the rich? Maybe they do. I don't know. To keep people dumb. Everything's a structure. Everything's like a social structure can started by rich people, according to Karl Marx and the Marxists. Same thing with, uh, the very next one we have is law, morality, religion are constructs of the rich people, which if you actually look into religion, you look at the, um, you look at Judaism, if you look into Islam, if you look into Christianity, people were killed and prosecuted for a very long time based on these religions. It's absurd to claim that. And, and if you look in America today, all the rich people, if you look at if they're Christian or not, um, or if they're even religious or not, they're not. So it's kind of a ridiculous claim to make that. Mor and morality is something that is also stems from religion or Christianity, just for example, the Ten Commandments, right? So I think that his big thing is he hates religion. Like, he's a Jew, right? But he's not a Jew. He's a non-practicing Jew. Uh, a non-practicing Jew that didn't want to actually work. Amazing, right? Didn't want to physically work. He hated the idea of physical work. <laughs> it's fucking great. Uh they want to destroy property rights because the rich people only own property. No one else does, like I claimed before. Uh, in rich society, the individual is, is dependent with no individuality, meaning like the uh, the regular working man is, in, is is dependent on the rich people, and they have no individuality because of this. If, if you think about what currently is going on in modern times with some of these big companies, the way that they're trying to push culture down your throat, once again, Marxist left-wing left culture that's being pushed down your throats, and, it's and, and you know it is because it's being propagated by the federal government as well. It's not only these corporations. What Marx is trying to do is he's trying to claim that these corporations act over here, and the government does nothing to stop them, right? It, what's going on currently is the government acts this way, and in lockstep with them is the big corporation, is the big company. So we have, and, and Marx talks about how the state's to be run by the workers. So it's really funny because we have people that are in the government uh, pushing this ideology down our throats, this left-wing, like, tranny ideology and shit, and then Marx is claiming, like, all of that crap, making you not an individual, making you just like a... A number on a piece of paper is all things that corporate, that rich people are pushing onto you. It's very weird. It's like every single problem that Marx has in his life, he just points to rich people and he claims it's their fault. It's very odd. He like doesn't really look deeply into anything and why it is that way. But he writes in a way where it's old ass, you know, it's old English. It's written a certain way. He doesn't write it in English. Obviously, it's been translated. But it's written a certain way to make you think, wow, this guy's really fucking smart, you know? <laughs> So funny. Uh, 
rich people only have families, poor people have no families, according to Karl Marx, which doesn't really make much sense. Um, but that's the claim. In America currently, you'll see people that are uh, financially irresponsible having more children currently. That's that's the, the theme right now, so I don't really get the statement there. Maybe he's trying to claim that people don't get to enjoy their families if they're working. Maybe that's the claim, but... Abolition of country and nationality. Yeah, he believed that there shouldn't be borders or there sh hmm, What's a good way to put it? It's very funny because at some points he talks about kicking anyone that's like an immigrant out of the country because he understands even that you can't have communism with like a, without a homogenous population. You kind of need a homogenous population where everybody cares about each other and they believe that there's something that holds them together. In America, what it used to be is American culture, American values, Christian values would actually hold people together, right? It would hold the country together. Nowadays, it's not like that because America is completely losing its character, right? So there is not as many things that hold people together as there used to be. They don't have as many things in common as they used to. Um, so you could have this giant melting pot, but there has to be an agreed upon premise of American values and American morality, right? But we don't have that currently. In the United States is starting to wane. And that's the point in bringing in all this illegal, these illegal aliens is to change, is to try to culturally change things. And obviously, it's not only that. A lot of these illegal aliens are actually Christian, so they do... Some of them do have, have some of these values, right? So it's not only that, it's just being propagated as well in the media um, to act, to make it like being a tranny is normal, to, to be like, oh, do everything to hate America. If you ask a class of kids nowadays, and I have people in my family that are teachers that said, how many of you are proud to be American? You'll see a class of kids in high school, you'll have two kids out of the 30 that'll raise their hand. So that'll tell you as much as what they're doing in the brainwashing department to make Americans hate themselves for being American. It's very fucking crazy. It's very odd. It's it's like this self-hating uh, prophecy. But yeah, he's talking about abolition. Maybe he's talking about how rich pe under rich people there will be an abolition of country and nationality. Um, no one is connected to anything. But I don't think that's the case. I think the case is, is that's what he was calling for. I can't remember this section, unfortunately. I think he was calling for that, which doesn't really make much sense, because he also talks about getting rid of all the fucking immigrants. So it is very weird. Uh, community of women without nuclear family. Oh, yeah, this is great. So the very last thing he talks about is having a community, a harem of women with, uh, with no actual nuclear family. He hated the idea of having a nuclear family because individualism should not conquer over uh, the group ideology or what the... Uh, the whole wants. And that's actually something that the co my coworker talked about was something like, Oh, well, you know, individual, that's what happens when individuals are thought of over groups, which is weird. Cause you can take that and you can kind of put it on its own head. You can spin it around. Um, and saying the group, like currently in the United States, what's going on is groups of people are much more important than individual rights are. Right. But you can point out an exact time when this happens, for example, a bunch of, a bunch of men showing up to a women's only conference and then claiming that they're non-binary, right? You can claim that the individual rights over, in this case, trump the group of women, but then you can also claim the group of trannies trump the individual rights of the women. So you can really take that one and you can interchange it and vice versa it, depending on how you want to argue it. In general, individuality and individualism is a good thing. I don't actually hate the idea of people living in... I'm not saying I like the nuclear family, right? Um, but I also do like the idea of people, and a lot of people in Italy do this, where they have their grandparents living in the house with them. It, like, big families live in big houses, right? Um, but it's, it's, it's extended family, obviously. It's not just, like, a bunch of fucking random people in the community living in one house. I kind of don't hate that idea. I, I see a lot of immigrants do that in the United States. They come here, and they work hard, and then they kind of move out as time goes on. The individuality starts nuclear families. It's weird that he's so against that because that individuality itself will lead to people owning property, like their own sets of property. Um, if everybody's always like in one house and pulling resources and that gives more, it makes it more expedient for the rich to go and uh, go and buy these all the land because people aren't moving out onto this other land. But maybe, you know... Um, the big family living in a house could go and buy that property and hold on to it or something and try to build up 
capital. I'm not really sure. That part I thought was very interesting where he's pretty much just like, it's a free for all with the women. Like there's no actual family. Like you shouldn't have, we communists shouldn't have actual families. We shouldn't have like people we care about and stuff. We should just have a bunch of women that we all have sex with. We conceive children with and everybody's like the same person. It's very fucking, that part to me was very weird. I don't know, the guy, honestly, it's, if you read through it, it's the ramblings of, like, an insane person, a psychotic person, and it does show, it is very sad that in today's day and age, like, people in America have been brainwashed so much to hate America and hate Christian values, and, like, hate everything that America stands for, that they turn to some book that some crazy dude wrote in the 1800s, and has been proven to, the ideology itself has been proven to fail so many fucking times over and over again and subjugate the population, and some people still think that it could work. Like, it, it is actually crazy. It's it's like, um, it is the definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. That is the definition of insan- insanity. So, yeah, I mean, if you run into a commie um, or Marxist or whatever, I guess just kind of ask them questions, engage where they're at, and then be like, this person doesn't really believe in this because they're not living, they're not living the way that somebody that would believe in it would live, you know? So yeah, that's it, folks. That's all I got. It's about an hour, pretty long podcast. Um, I thank you all for tuning in as always, and I'll talk to you, I don't know when, probably a week or two from now. Thank you.